welcome to all the subscribers tuning in for our eighth live conference call. We're really excited tonight to welcome Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman Brian Dumoulin, who is entering his eighth-year pro and fifth with the Penguins. For those who don't know, Brian grew up in Biddeford, Maine. He's actually the first Mainer to ever win a Stanley Cup, and he played his junior hockey in the EJHL for the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs before he was recruited to Boston College. After his junior year, Brian signed an NHL contract with the Carolina Hurricanes, actually, which we'll get into a little later, before spending the majority of his first two years of pro hockey in the minors with the Wilkes-Barre Penguins. Since joining the Pittsburgh Penguins full-time, Brian has won two Stanley Cups and logs big minutes night in, night out, often on the top defensive pairing. We're looking forward to discussing several topics tonight with Brian, from what it's like to play with Sidney Crosby to how he spent his two days with the Stanley Cup. For the new pregame skate subscribers out there, the mission is to provide an easily digestible way for hockey fans to stay up to date on everything going on in the game all on one platform. You don't only get the newsletter, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but we also offer original articles, host live calls, and also in-person events. Your subscription serves as your digital ticket to these extra features that will be available on the website following the recording. And these calls uh, and live events aim to tackle a variety of topics, providing insight and guidance for those who are still learning about the hockey world or others just wanting to stay up to date and informed. Thanks for joining us tonight, Brian. We really appreciate it. Do you want to give us a quick synopsis on your college career and your path to pro hockey? Yeah, thanks for having me, Parker, and, and thanks uh, for having me on pregame skate. Uh, first and foremost, yeah, I grew up in Bideford, Maine, proud of it. Uh, obviously not a hockey hotbed, but um, at that time we thought it was. I grew up in Bitterford, and that's where I first fell in love with the game. Uh, my parents said I had a lot of energy growing up and wanted to get me in an organized sport, and it seemed like hockey at the time was the only one that, that uh, allowed me to play a team event at the age of three. And um, My dad never grew up playing hockey. Actually, me and my brother we were the first two to play hockey in our family. But uh, my grandfather and great-grandfather were from the Quebec, Quebec area, so they had hockey in their blood. And um, it's something that I, I picked up uh, when I was probably age three and four, and I just fell in love with. And uh, that's how I met all my friends growing up. And it seemed like everything we did um, at the hockey rink and around uh, the neighborhood was, was everything hockey. And that's what we all loved. And and it was awesome growing up in that hockey environment. And then from that point on, I, I played, I think, in Biddeford until I was about 10 years old. And then after that, I played for the Maine Renegades, um, just a, a small team in, in upstate Maine. We played at a Gorham Ice Arena in Gorham, Maine. And then from there, uh, I played there for a little bit. And then me and my dad, we kind of didn't really know what to do, whether to go back and play for Biddeford when I was 11 or – go play for a team or a travel team. And at that point in my career, we ended up going down and playing for the Seacoast Spartans in New Hampshire. Um, and actually, teammates of mine now, Casey D. Smith, he played on that team with me when we were 12 years old to oh, about wow. age 17. That's so, crazy. Yeah, we, uh, we, we grew up and we played a long time together, and it was, it was fun. And also Garnet Hathaway, who – played with Calgary and is now playing with Washington Capitals, also played on that team. So it was cool to see a little small team have three NHLers and some other great players on that team too. So played for the Seacoast Spartans for probably six years. And then after that, 
I uh, played for my high school also, and then played for the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs for one year, and then went right to BC. So it was pretty quick. It was fun, but uh, yeah, I'm glad uh, the the road for college ended up at BC. Yeah, let's talk about BC for a little bit. Um, obviously, you had a lot of success there. You were an All-American. Uh, how, did, how do you feel college hockey prepared you for your professional career? Yeah, it's one thing that you get a lot now in the locker room and you're talking to a lot of the players, whether, I mean, they wanted to go college hockey or we wanted to go major junior and kind of what the difference was because obviously there's a big difference from playing in the OHL and playing college hockey. Uh, just from the length of schedule to to the priorities on and off the ice, and and it's a big decision. And that time in your life, it's uh, it's hard to make that decision by yourself. You need a lot of guidance, and and I was fortunate enough to have a lot of people in my life that gave me good guidance. And I mean, one of them was obviously my coaches growing up, and I mean, not one of them, all of them, but uh, my head coach from Biddeford High School, Coach Jamie Gagnon. Um, my coach with the Monarchs, uh, Sean Tremblay, um, they all had great relationships with college coaches. And um, I was very, very thankful to have those guys and put me in the right direction. And obviously, BC had a winning culture. They had just won the national championship before I committed there. And um, it was close to home. Obviously, it's a tough decision to go to BC over my home state of Maine. But um, it ended up being that just BC was a lot closer to my home than humane was so uh i got everything that i wanted at bc it was amazing because they had such great uh academics um the coaching staff and and the players that they recruited were amazing i'd known a few before but i'm very thankful now because it seems like everyone i played with from there are now still involved in my life and some of my best friends so i was very very thankful to have the opportunity to play at bc and i mean it taught me everything from how to how to grow as a as a person, how to balance a workload of class, academics, and hockey, and kind of take me away from the game a little bit. And it, it had me have a life outside of hockey with meeting people. So it taught me a lot of life lessons, and I'm very thankful for it. Yeah, Brian and I played at BC together, and you, it's funny you bring up Maine. I I, uh, I feel like I remember you skating at the blue line in the starting lineup the first time we played there and just getting a, a – on a booze, um, which, which I found hilarious. Um, and after, after BC, um, you had been drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, could you talk about signing your first NHL contract and, and what happened in the months following that? Yeah, so uh, obviously it was a, a tough decision whether to leave school or not. Actually, Carolina offered me a contract after my sophomore year um, we ended up losing in the first round of the NCA uh, playoffs to Colorado College. That was uh, devastating. I thought that was one of the best teams that we had. Yeah, I, I mean, Jaden Schwartz. They they had Jaden Schwartz, but our team was insane uh, as well. Yeah, that's it was tough. I mean, he he and his brother definitely put on performance and and beat us. But uh, yeah, so after my sophomore year, we kind of felt like we had some unfinished business and. Uh, I thought it was a little too early to, to leave school, especially for me, because getting uh, academics was, was a big part of my life and uh, definitely my parents' life. And uh, they wanted me to finish school. I knew after if I left after my sophomore year, it would have been tough to get my degree. So I, uh, I stuck around and I said no, and I, I played in my junior year, and I was very thankful for it. And uh, we ended up winning the national championship that year. And 
I signed a, a contract with Carolina Hurricanes about a week later, and uh, they brought me to their American League team. The, the NHL season had already been done, so I went and played for about a week. Well, I didn't end up playing actually any huh. games for the American League of uh, Charlotte. Well, that was their team, and uh, yeah, and it was kind of an eye-opening experience, kind of traveling around. We went to Rockford, went to Peoria, went to some of the uh, Heart Belt American League cities. Yeah, yep, gotta love that. <laughs> yeah, I rode the bus and kind of learned out what what pro hockey was all about. I'm sure you know uh, what the bus is about, Parker. <laughs> yeah, and, just a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely it's fun. It, it was good to meet a whole uh, group of guys, but. Yeah, signing that contract with Carolina, going to play those few games. But, I mean, I couldn't wait to get back to BC and celebrate with my teammates there. And so what, what's it like uh, you were eventually traded to the Penguins on draft day, uh, having never played a professional hockey game? What's it like to, you know, <clears throat> for, the, for those who don't know, you get drafted when you're 18, so you spend some time going to development camps and you get to know an organization and then, all of a sudden it's time for you to actually play for that organization and, and you're getting traded. Um, what's that like to join a completely new team uh, right when you're about to start a, a new journey? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I think that was – it's actually funny because Jim Rutherford was the guy who traded me in Carolina and is now my GM too. So it's, it's pretty funny that, that he's changed his opinion of you a little bit, maybe. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he always said – he says now they knew what he was doing, but I don't know. Time, uh, maybe he did, but uh, – yeah, so, I mean, it was actually a really good thing at that time for me to get traded before I had played a game because, obviously, you know, systems in hockey, that those are big, and they change from team to team. So I didn't really learn any of the systems. I didn't really know any of the players, any of the terminology. So I really hadn't get, gotten uh, acclimated at all to Carolina. So it was actually a good time for me to get traded where I could go to a few development camps with Pittsburgh and kind of get to know the players a little bit and, I wasn't just jumping into something after learning a whole new system. So I was very, uh, I was lucky at the time. I didn't know it. Obviously, when you get that phone call, I still remember I was sitting um, just in an afternoon. I was actually at a festival in Bitterford, Maine called Locker Mass. I think they were <laughs> I with me. Yeah, I might have been with you. <laughs> yeah, so you know the festival pretty, pretty well. But, uh, yeah, and I got uh, a call from Ron Francis and, he just said, uh, Brian, uh, how's your summer going? And it was actually the night of the draft. And um, I felt like I didn't let him get a word in. I was like, oh, summer's going great. It's, it's good to hear from you. Good to talk to you. And I just kept talking his ear off. And then, uh, right, I could tell something was up because there was a pause. And he's like, oh, Brian, I just wanted to call you and let you know that you've been traded to uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. We loved having the organization. Thank you very much. And uh, wish you the best. And we talked a little bit after that. And, and just like that, I was with a whole new organization. and It was pretty crazy, and it's something that I'll always remember going through. And I didn't really know what to, what to think of at the time, but, I mean, it, it, it all worked out, and I'm very thankful to be with the Penguins now. Yeah, um, and, and that's obviously turned out pretty well for you. Um, you spent some time in the minors to start your career, uh, but – you had to. You were an all-American point producer on the power play in college, um, kind of the go-to guy. And all of a sudden, you're trying to make a Pittsburgh Penguins team that is obviously filled with talented players. Um, you're probably not going to crack the power play right away on a team with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang. So, 
How did you change your game and change your role in order to make it to the NHL? Yeah, I, that's a that's a great question. And I mean, you always hear growing up that you, in order to make it, you have to have something that you can kind of hang your hat on, or you got to have something that you can bring to the table and 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 fill a role for a team. And uh, I mean, obviously, there's Chris Letang on the team, and and Justin Schultz, and those guys are power play guys, and. And at the time, I knew that if if I was going to be one of those guys, then I had to be really, really good, put up a lot of points, and be very good offensive. Or I had to be really, really, really good defensively. And and I knew at the time I could put up some points. And at BC, I played on the power play a little bit. But uh, it really, when I played in the American League and played under John Hines, he's really the guy that kind of taught me how to play defense and, and how to – kind of hang my hat on my defensive game and, and bring that to the NHL level. And I remember my my rookie year, we we hated it. It would be me, Bobby Farnham, Joe Morrow. I'm sure they remember this. At the end of practice, we'd have a, a long practice because John Hines' practices are always very intense. And, and John Hines is the devil's head coach now, correct? Yes, correct. Good, good point there, Parker. Yeah, he's the uh, – Devils head coach now, and Elaine Nazardine was the defensive coach at the time. He's now with John Hines in New Jersey, and and uh, he grabbed me, Bob Farnham, and Joe Morrow, and go in the corner and just do one on ones. And I'd have to try to angle them, end them in the corner, use my stick position, my body, and we just kind of just ragdoll Farney into the corner, and and uh, he loved it too. He 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 loved getting hit in in the battles, but it was at the time. I mean, a little bit embarrassing having to go do that after practice by our, in the corner by ourselves. I mean, it was tiring. It was hard. But I'm very thankful for it now because it, it taught me what it takes to, to play D hard in the corners, to end guys, to close guys, angles. And it's something that I, I still use today. And he really pushed me to become a better defensive player. And, and that's what I am now in the NHL. Yeah, and that's definitely not <clears throat> something that you're going to see a lot in AHL practices there. Uh, there's so many games that happen so quickly with travel. You're usually just getting out there and kind of getting your legs going. And so uh, that's a credit to the organization that they were willing to take the time and take you through those sorts of drills because they knew that's what you needed to be doing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anytime they're they're on you or they're pushing you or they want you to do this or extra, I mean, they, they mean it and they, they care about you and they want you to become a better player. And they're doing it in your best interest. I mean, you might not think it at the time, but if you trust your coach and, and he knows what he's doing, then he's going to make you a better player. Um, <clears throat> yeah, 100%. Uh, and so you're obviously playing on the Penguins with with a ton of highly skilled players. Uh, you know, what what do you see from them day in and day out that you're able to take with you and kind of bring to your game uh, the Sidney Crosby's, the Evgeny Malkins? Yeah, I mean, Sid is, one, he's just a great person. He's a great human being, and I can't believe how humble and, and what a great guy he is for how much success he's he's had in life and career. And he's worked for it. I mean, you always hear that he's a hardest working player, and he is, but he loves it. He enjoys it, and, and he's made hockey his life, and he's dedicated his life to it, and, and that's honestly why he's the best player, because he's worked harder than everyone else, and and I've seen it, and it's, it's amazing to watch. I mean, I wish I, – I, and I try to work as hard as I can, but and as hard as him, but he's just on another level. And 
it's everything from his training to his on-ice preparation to everything, and it's, it's really impressive to watch. And he does everything like if he misses a pass in the game, he'll go to that same spot and catch 15, 20 passes in that same exact spot just to work on it. And, and another player, too, obviously, that I play with is, is Gino Melkin, and he's, he's the most skilled player I've ever played with in my life. And it almost seems like at times that he just gets bored out there. Like, it's, <laughs> it's such an easy yeah. game to him. Like, we'll be in the defensive zone, and he'll be going under sticks through guys and just challenging guys. And, and nine times out of ten, he'll, he'll make that move. And it's just, it's just insane to watch the confidence in, and the ability that, that he has with the puck and how he can move. And he's so deceptive with, with what he's going to do. It, he's just such a tough guy to defend. And, He's also a, just a bull. He's a he's a beast out there, and yeah, he's a big body for sure. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a big body. And then obviously a guy I played with a lot, Chris Letang. He's tremendous to watch. He has such confidence with the puck, and um, he has such an amazing release and a shot that it's uh, it's hard not to respect it, even from the point. And uh, he's a great guy. He's a great guy to learn from. He's he's been in the league for a long time, and been with the Pittsburgh Penguins for a long time, and. He's just been a great friend of me and, and uh, really took me in, especially when I was a younger guy. And I'm very thankful to, to have a guy like Chris Letang on the team. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure you talked about Sid and his, his tireless work effort. I'm sure he has some, some pretty insane, uh, you know, training regimens that he does in the summer. Could you talk a little bit uh, about what you do in the summer to, to train for, for the upcoming season? Yeah, I, I mean, it's something that I enjoy. I, I love training in the off-season, and it's fun. I mean, I say I love skating just as much uh, in the off-season, probably more than, than during the season, especially practicing, just because I can go out there and I can try to dangle and I can try <laughs> some stuff in the summer yeah. that I wouldn't do during the year. And Obviously, a lot of players do the same. And, and uh, yeah, it's just fun. There's There's no coaches out there, and you can kind of do whatever you want. So, off-season training is something I really enjoy. I love uh, going back to Boston College and working out with our trainer there, Rusta Rosa. And I've been here in Pittsburgh working out for the last three or four weeks with our trainer, uh, Alex Trinka. So uh, that's one another good thing that I've had is the great trainers that I've trusted and that have worked me out hard and, and have pushed me to uh, become a better player and stronger. And um it's it's something that I love. I love getting up early and going in a skate in and, and driving right over, obviously in Boston where I spend my summers and stuff to get around the city. So I try to get it all done in the morning, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I love the off, off season training and I love it when it's shorter. For those who are joining us late here, we're uh, sitting here with Brian Dumoulin from the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. You obviously have some passions away from the rank, uh, most notably, and I think a lot of Penguins fans would be familiar with your uh, your passion for food and wine. So could you talk a little bit about where that originated and uh, maybe tell us a, a little bit about your wine cellar you have here in Pittsburgh? Yeah, so obviously, you know, a lot of the guys that like to get away from the game, and, and I'm sure you do, Parker, too. And one thing that we share in common is our love for food and wine and that's something that I've always grown up with. I'm sure a lot of people too just love food, love eating, and no matter what it is, that's what I grew up. I loved everything, and uh, my palate kind of changed, and I started tasting more and more foods and just starting to try things, and and that's when I learned I I really like 
every type of cuisine, no matter what it is, I'll give it a try because um, it, it's going to be good, especially if it's made well. So, yeah, I, I grew up with a passion for, for food. And then obviously something that pairs well with food is wine. And when we were getting, I remember, I think the first time that I've had a bottle that was definitely noteworthy was at one of our rookie parties, I think, uh, maybe in 2014 or 2015 uh, maybe, and it was a bottle of 1991 Dominus, and I think it was the fr- uh, which is the Napa Cab, and it was the first time that I could really taste a difference in wine, and and I understood why people pay a lot of money for for wine, and and from that point on I was hooked, and I just want to learn more about it, but it's not really for me about the producer or about the label, but I I really like how it's made and and where it comes from. And right now I'm really big on natural wine and, and uh, kind of how it grows and, and making sure that it's organic and biodynamic and that it, it's grown well and it the soils are cared for because that, that represents uh, the wine. And, and if it's like that, then it's a good represent, representation of where it comes from. So definitely nerdy with wine and something that I've really gotten into. But I mean, I think a lot of my food passion came from when we and Parker, we lived together We'd cook a lot together. We'd always try to make exotic meats, uh, whether it be kind of reindeer, bear, bison, um, alligator, no matter what we could get our hands on. I mean, yeah, what was the uh, the market in Beacon Hill we used to go to? I think Sabinor's Market in Beacon Hill. If you're ever in Boston, it's it's unbelievable. It's a great shop. They have rattlesnake. They have Wagyu beef. They have ostrich egg. They have... Pretty much everything you could think of. You can get pretty wild in there. Um, and tonight we've got a little little paella going. And what wine are we going to be pairing pairing with that tonight? Yeah. So we, I, I mean, I would. We had a uh, we had a nice Albarino from uh, from Spain earlier. And right now we got a uh, 2002 Von Romani uh, Pinot Noir from Burgundy, France. Um, it's just easy drinking. It's kind of a little past its prime, but it's going down pretty well. <laughs> and uh, we got the paella on the grill right now so it's a pretty good night you're obviously probably influencing some of your teammates at least with with your passion for food uh when you guys travel on the road do you have a little little supper club uh that you that you take out to eat with you yeah so i i love dinners and i i love the dinners on the especially on the road we get to travel to great cities and there's so many good restaurants out there that i feel like i need to take advantage of it and a lot of the times I book them even weeks, months in advance. Um, and I always book them for four because one, that's a pretty standard table. Usually, especially if you're booking that far in advance, you can always get four. Um, and pretty much we have a, a little crew that's been going out. First, it was me, Connor Sherry, Scott Wilson, Justin Schultz. And now it's uh, me, Justin Schultz, uh, Chad Weedle, and Jake Gensel. We uh, we try, that's mostly our four, but I mean, I think for the most part, we try to all eat together and try to switch it up a lot, uh, whether which city we're in or not. But for the most part, if we're in New York and LA, uh, Chicago, some of the major food cities, I usually try to book a place for four early on and and uh, and have a great meal. Yeah, there's definitely uh, definitely some great food cities that you get to get to explore for sure. Um, well, Brian, this has been been great. Kind of learning more about uh, 
how you grew up in hockey and, and some of your passions away from the rink. Um, before we get to the subscriber Q&A, uh, we'll just ask you one more question here. Uh, what, what advice would you have for, for a young defenseman? You, you've obviously uh, you know, played the junior hockey path, went, went to college, um, and kind of had to, had to grind your way to make it to the NHL. So what, what advice would you have for, for somebody who's trying to make it? Yeah, first and foremost, I, you have to be able to skate. And, and that's one thing when I was a kid that uh, I worked with uh, a guy named Adam Nicholas who's actually just got hired by Toronto. And all we did kind of growing up was work on edges and, and just being able to skate. And I was a big guy, and I've always been pretty big and lanky. And usually those guys are the ones that kind of can't turn or can't skate. So that's something that I knew right from the, from the early stages. If I wanted to make it in hockey, I had to be able to skate and uh, especially now in the NHL. And another thing, too, is, is deception. And I think it's very underrated, and I think it's something that the great players do best, is that they're, they hide what they're going to do. They're, they, they throw in a lot of fakes, and they're very uh, good at throwing people off where they're, where they're going to make their next play. And I think uh, if you have some deception in your game, you can make people think that you're going to be that much harder to play against. So... I think those are the two biggest things for me and two of the biggest things that I'm still trying to work on. That's great advice there. And um, skating, you obviously think about it for a defenseman, but um, a lot of times you think about straightaway speed and you're probably working on your edges a little more. And, and so uh, that's, that's a great, uh, great skill to keep in mind for, for young defensemen. So let's, Get going with the subscriber Q&A here. A few, a few guidelines before we get going. Uh, quickly state your first name and where you're calling in from. Uh, you'll have 30 seconds to ask a question and no profanity and let's keep it hockey related. And while we're uh, waiting for some people to call in here, uh, let's start with some questions we got via email. Uh, Tom from Buffalo, New York wants to know who the toughest to for forward to defend against is and why. Yeah, that's obviously a good question. Uh, there's a lot of great players that are really, really, really hard to defend against. But uh, obviously one that's that's big is Connor McDavid. He's so fast. So, I mean, he's, he's very patient. He, he kind of doesn't lull you to sleep. But if you watch him every shift, he kind of he's very patient and waits for his time to kind of expose the defenseman or expose the player. And he's he's so quick and fast that, He's very tough to read and, and, and to react from, but uh, he's up there. Obviously, Alexander Ovechkin, he doesn't need much space. He's got a great release. Um, he's he's very deceptive, and uh, he can beat you from the blue line with a wrister. So, I mean, he's a, he's a guy that every time he's coming down on me, I have to be sharp on. And another guy who's, who's very good and very deceptive is Matt Barzell. Um, he's a, he's a type of player that that's that's very uh, shifty and and very elusive, and he's he's a hard hard player to keep a keep an eye on, and he's very good on his edges. That's really interesting because that's that's probably not a lot of guys people would think of uh, off the top of your head, and um, somebody that you probably truly appreciate his his skill more when you're on the ice with him. Um, looks like we got a couple callers in here. Uh, let's. Let's go to the to the first question. Hey guys, this is uh, this is Pat from Boston. Uh, two part question here. Um, 
Brian, I want to know, uh, I guess, the defenseman that uh, when you look around the league, um, who impresses you the most or uh, who you admire or, or enjoy uh, watching the most? And then uh, second part of the question is, uh, what do you know now as a 28-year-old, uh, soon to be 29, or 27-year-old, soon to be 28, happy birthday, um, that you wish you knew as a, as a 21-year-old or 22-year-old uh, kind of coming into the league? Thanks a lot for the question, Pat. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so some of the things I wish I knew, I wish I knew how kind of how hard it was to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, obviously we won it. Um, very thankful for it. But, I mean, now after losing it a couple of times, it is so hard to win. It is, uh, I mean, it is, I think, the hardest trophy to win in sports. And um, I think at the time, I, I – I didn't realize how hard it was to get to the league. When I was 20, 20, 21, I thought that I would be kind of in the NHL. I was drafted in the second round, and not that things would be given to me, but I'd get the benefit of the doubt. And and when I didn't get called up, obviously that first year kind of was not tough, but it was an ego check a little bit. And uh, I mean, I just wish I I knew then how hard it was to make it in Hawara and dedicate myself to, to try to make it in the NHL. And to answer your your first question, uh, one defenseman that I, I really love watching, obviously Eric Carlson, he's very special. I mean, my partner, I love playing with Chris Letang, but I mean, Brett Burns is a, is a forward that, oh, well, a defensive forward that, I mean, it seems like he always gets his shot through and is always ready to kind of get his shots in the net and, I mean, that's something that I want to try to emulate and something that i got to try to get in my game is always getting the pucks through. I, I know forwards, they hate it whenever the shot's blocked and, and uh, they have to come out of the zone. So I think that's another, especially if you're a young young guy, try to get all your shots through no matter if it misses the net. Uh, nothing's worse than having it blocked. Yeah, and Brett Burns, he obviously does have a really hard slap shot, but a lot of times he's just so deceptive in there and he'll just throw a little wrister on that. And as a, speaking from a goaltender's perspective, those, those little wristers uh, tend to be easier to tip and they are kind of moving all over the place. And he just always seems to get them through, which um, is, is a huge for the, for the Sharks power play. Yeah, exactly. And, and good for the forwards. I mean, their forwards do a great job at tipping. So yeah, he's, he's a, I mean, both those guys are great defensemen to watch. Thanks again, Pat. Uh, let, let's go to the next question here. Yes. Hi. Uh, this is Rick from Rapid City. Um, I was just calling. I had a couple questions. Uh, do you still get nervous before a game? Do you have any superstitions that you'd like to share with us? And uh, what other sports do you like to play and watch? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, great questions. Uh, um, I mean, i got to think about it. I don't know if you're you're a big superstition guy, are you? Um, I, I never noticed yeah. that at BC. Yeah, well, one, I, I mean, I, I don't get nervous really before a regular season game. I mean, it's all, you, you play a lot of them. It's, it's kind of, I feel like you only get nervous if you're not prepared. And, and I don't know, I, 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 I love the, the thrill of going out there and playing a new game and, and having the chance to win and compete. So it, it's not really nerves. It's more just wanting to get out there and, and, and start playing. Um, two for superstition. Uh, I mean, I, it, it, it seems like every year that a few more keep creeping into my, uh, into my routine, but yeah, uh, it seems like, well, one, it all starts at Sid. He has, 
a majority of uh, superstitions, and he's a very superstitious guy, so I find myself uh, being more superstitious. But I pretty much stick to the same game day routine. Um, I come in at, at 4.15 to 4.20. I'm the DJ, so I always got to get the tunes on and get those cranking. And then uh, I pretty much go throughout my whole day. I shower. Um, right after that, I, I crank the tunes, get my sticks ready, take my uh, take my sticks, um, have a have a green tea, and then we watch golf usually up until the meeting. So it's pretty relaxed. But uh, yeah, I definitely have a lot of superstitions, <laughs> but uh, they're nothing too big or nothing too major. Day in the life right there. Green tea and golf before the games. <laughs> who would have who would have thought? Um, thanks again for the question there. Uh, let's let's go to the, the next question. Hi, this is Lily from New York. And obviously you've lived in Pittsburgh now for a few years and I was wondering what outside of hockey do you like to do there? Yeah, so that's that's another great question. So uh, I really love the food scene here. I feel like Pittsburgh is an up-and-coming food city, so uh, me and my wife will usually, uh, whether it be once a week or once every other week, we'll go try a new restaurant and, and just kind of see see kind of how it is and, and grade it kind of by ourselves and, and see what we like about it and what we didn't. So we really like try the new restaurants. We really like going to other sporting events, whether it be the the Pirates games or the Steelers games. I grew up in New England, so I'm a Patriot fan, but I, I do like the Steelers and seeing them have success. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love Pittsburgh. It's, it, it reminds me a lot of Maine with how wooded and, and hilly it is. And uh, the people here are so friendly and so uh, will do anything for you. So I'm very thankful to be uh, and very lucky to be here in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's definitely a, g- a great sports town here, and uh, I, I think um, everyone on the Penguins, I'm sure, is, is feels super fortunate to to have uh, such a raucous crowd every night and, and fans that are so passionate about the game. <clears throat> um, thanks for the question, Lily. We got a, a couple more in here uh, via email, so we'll go go to a few of those real quick. Uh, Spencer from Seattle wants to know. Uh, you guys obviously travel to a lot of cool cities. What's your favorite city to visit uh, on the road? Yeah, there's a, a lot of them, but my favorite would be Vancouver. I think it's just such a unique city. It's got the mountains, the wilderness, the city vibe. Uh, it's very relaxing, but it's very outdoorsy, something that I loved growing up in Maine and New England, something that Pittsburgh has also, and uh, the food there is amazing. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants, actually, in the, the in the NHL that we've been to is Blue Water Cafe in Vancouver. So it's definitely a spot that I love visiting, um, love being in, and it, it always feels like I'm uh, pretty happy in a place that I could end up is uh, is Vancouver. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great city for sure. Um, and let's let's go to with one more question that we got in via email uh ron from los angeles wants to know who your idol was uh when you when you were younger again like when we were growing up i think we didn't really have the nhl network we didn't have cable so it was really tough to to watch a lot of a lot of out out of state games or a lot of 
kind of Western Conference games. So I ended up just watching the Bruins pretty much. And obviously the player that was the greatest there was was Ray Bork other than Bobby Orr for defensemen. So Ray Bork was a guy that when he was playing for the Boston Bruins, I, I definitely followed and I loved watching. And he just had so much passion for the game. And, and it was great to see him win the Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche. And I've got to know Ray. Uh, I met him a few times now living in Boston. So uh, he's a great role model and a great uh, idol. And he's someone that I grew up watching and loving. Obviously a Bruins legend there. Um, well, thanks a lot for joining us tonight, Brian. Uh, it's been, I'm sure, great for, for the Penn fans that called in to get you, get to know you a little better. Um, we're really looking forward to watching you this year. Uh, it, it's funny you described not winning the Stanley Cup is losing the Stanley Cup. And so uh, we'll definitely definitely be excited to watch the Pens try to get back there this year. Um, thanks for all the subscribers who joined us tonight. Uh, and we will have the recording of this call available uh, sometime next week or the week after in the newsletter. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you, guys.